Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like great banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Hey you guys, congrats on not killing yourself this week Kevin, you know, I just started and now you squeaking? Just fucking stop it. Did you guys wish Beyonce a happy B-Day? Because I hope you did. Beyonce Giselle Knowles-Carter, born September 4th. Kevin, stop it. My God. Nope, I'm hiding it under the couch. And he thought I threw it and now he's looking around and now I feel bad. But that's my problem. Welcome to the Voices in Our Heads. I'm Christina Marie Hutchinson. And you are... Tina, I don't know, whatever your name is. I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a good week. I love when dogs, I love, <laughs> I love when dogs try to get your attention, but very sweetly, not by squeaking the squeak toys. I was reading um, the chapter I'm going to discuss uh, in Nathaniel Brandon's Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, the definitive work on self-esteem by the leading pioneer in the field. I was reading it on the couch earlier and he wanted my attention, and uh, and he just came over and sat on my book. I was reading it. I was lying on my stomach reading it. The book was on the couch. And he just came over all cute and shit, and then walked over the book, stretched on it. Love when dogs do yoga stretches. And then he just laid down, and now he's fucking barking because I put his toy in the couch. This is another thing my dog does. Kevin, just stop, you know? He'll, dr- he'll be on the couch with a toy, He'll drop the toy on the floor and then he'll bark at it as if he wants it to levitate up to him. I'm like, that's not how gravity works, boo. I don't know what kind of magic castle you're living in in your head, but it's not the one where David Blaine makes things float. David Blaine. That guy, (laughs) that guy just seems like a fuck boy. (laughs) He's not, I don't know him, so I'm not gonna surmise that, but he's just very, he's like almost too calm. He's like, I'm going to strap a bunch of balloons to a vest and then just go over the Grand Canyon. And we're like, okay, are you scared? I don't have any opinions on it. Wow, do you have any opinions on anything? No, not really. Okay. Does David Blaine sext? Do you think he sexts? I don't know. I think he does. Hey, speaking of sexts, let's do some fuckboy theater, Okay. This is a fuckboy. They're both from Australia, but don't worry. I won't pain you with my Australian accent. Do you want to know how I get into my Australian accent? I say this phrase, fuck the police. <laughs> Jeez. It's not Australian at all. I got to learn accents again. Like actually learn them and not mock them. Kevin, you know, fine. Here's your goddamn toy. No, you know what? It's not there. So, oop, not there. Sorry. Kevin, you only make a fuss when I press record. And you don't see me press record. What? Whatever, Kevin. Whatever. David Blaine definitely sex. It's not here, Kevin. It's not here. See? Here. (laughs) Uh, David Blaine sexts. He fucks. If that, he, he wore, he tied a bunch of helium balloons to a vest and straight up floated over mountains like last week. That guy's living his best life. 
I got to say. But he's so calm about it, you know? I expect a man who's attached to a shitload of balloons flying across the earth to be a little more pep in his step. But maybe the balloons give him the pep he needs and he does not feel it's necessary to verbally articulate it. Anyway, fuckboy theater. That's where I was for, but got so distracted by my tiger son. Yeah, so this is uh, Australian people, but I'm going to do an American accent because that's where I'm from. Suck my dick. That wasn't a fire truck, but it was an ambulance. Okay. <clears throat> this is a fuckboy named Brody. That's his name. <laughs> and this is over Facebook message, y'all. Okay. Ready? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Yo, add me on Snapchat, X. Because dot, dot, dot. Because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Or is that kid going to bash me again? That kid is no longer my concern. He may make empty threats as much as he wants. Ain't got nothing to do with me. What's the story behind that? Sweet, so let's sext again, X. I'll pass. Thank you. Kissy face emoji. You were really good at it, but... Well, that's not a sentence that makes sense. Once again, I'll pass. But thank you. But why? I don't fucking want sexting no more. That shit's child's play. The real thing is a lot more fun. So run along, honey. Lip emoji. Run along, honey. But we don't live in the same town. Com commit, baby. Oh my god, no. Not gonna happen. Go, go get some in Marks. I don't know what that means. Is that some Australian shit? And then he says... Bongs and titties will always be the best. Yeah, that makes sense. Go home. You ain't gonna get none. Hand-waving emoji. I am home. That's why you should send nudes. Kissy face emoji. Okay, baby. How's this? Smirk emoji. And then she sends a photo of a guy um, in his 60s, totally naked. Well, no. Mostly butt ass naked but he is wearing a hat sunglasses and sandals so but he is buck ass naked and he got a good wang i gotta say and he's squatting in the woods so that's what she sends and then this guy says is that your type of guy then my type is people who don't hit you up saying add me on snapchat or let's sext as much as i appreciate the persistence she doesn't appreciate it so not gonna happen but you turn me on. Oh, my God. And then she sends a photo of a light switch that's off. <laughs> I got an itch only you can scratch. You got hands, motherfucker. Sure, you don't want to show me your dress-ups, winky face. Trust me, I'm sure. Hand-waving emoji. Nah, you enjoy doing it. Enjoyed. Past tense. Bring it back. Make me. You want it. Baby, winky face. Stop. I want the real deal or nada. Where are you? Buso. Yeah, nope. Just send me some nudes. That's nice. He's not willing to travel. Nah, this is, th there's this lovely little website called Camversity. Reckon you should check it out. Nah, I'm on Facebook. Give it to me. And scene. <laughs> wow, guys. That was more than a. Isn't that riveting? Oh my God. The pattern finally told me that they're doing a dating app. And I was like, I've been waiting for this day my whole life. 
And then they, it asked me if I wanted to join the waiting list. And I was like, yes. And I, I applied for the waiting list like 10 times, y'all. 10 times. You know what's a really bad trait? And I guess it could be learned out of you. But nervous laughter. It's, it's not. It really has gotten me into so much trouble. <laughs> I laugh when I'm uncomfortable or nervous. Like if I'm if I'm saying something that makes somebody feel bad, like a breakup. Oh boy, I didn't I didn't I didn't laugh when I broke up with my ex of seven years because that was sad. If I was laughing, that'd be a little maniacal. But I would understand because I was nervous. But I was crying so hard that I did not have time to nervous laugh. So I was like, well, that's good because he's going to think I'm a devil if I break up with him. And then I'm laughing the whole time. But I had a run-in last the, earlier this week that I'm not going to go into. Uh, but I did go into it on Guys We Fucked, which is behind a paywall. And that is where that story belongs, behind a paywall. Because your girl's gotten sued once by an ex-boyfriend. And uh, an event happened where... A girl on a bike had a very unfortunate encounter with the door of my Uber. And so all I will say in regards to that event is one, well, two things. So so two things. One, nervous laughter, not good for that situation. Not good for that situation. Two, open, look, look behind you before you open the door of the Uber. You know, it's a it's an accident. Accidents happen. I understand that. But when it, they happen and you're, you feel terrible and you're very vocal about, oh my God, I'm so sorry, are you okay, are you okay? She's okay. But, you know, when you, when you giggle about it, you're like, oh God, I'm so sorry. Like, that's, it's not, you know, it's going to infuriate a motherfucker, especially if they're carrying around some anger, like we all are. Yo, I used to walk around the city being like, I hope someone fucking pushes me so I have an excuse to tear them apart because I got rage. I haven't screamed in a pillow in a while. Good for me. I think it's because I'm meditating, though. I think it's because I'm meditating. Uh, but yeah, I got a couple tips <clears throat> from people after I hit that girl with my Uber door. Well, the Uber door. She ran into it, but I opened it. There wasn't a designated bike lane. So let's get pissed at the city, you know? But also, great reminder to always look behind you. But one of the tips that people gave me was uh, if you open the door of the car you're exiting with the hand that's farthest away from the door, you're forced to twist your body so that you have to see if a bike is coming. And I was like, well, that's very good. That is a very decent tip. And I'm going to share it on my podcast. I also share it on Guys We Fuck. But uh, I, t I talk in depth about the psychology of how much better I'm doing with all this healing work. Because that was a situation. You know, when someone screams you're a dumb fucking cunt for something you didn't do. You know, you, you, you did, but it was an accident. It was an accident. I'm in a place now where I know it was an accident. I feel terrible that it happened, but I forgive myself. I do. I forgive myself. Kevin, what are you eating? Your collar? I get it. You will go take a shit later. So yeah, open that door with the hand that's farthest away from you guys. And and I also want to remind you that we are living in some times, yeah, we are living in some weird fucking times, stressful times, turn on the news, there's a lot of negativity. It's, it's, it's very important to be informed and to keep, keep up being informed and to know when to vote. 
fucking vote. Fucking vote. Um, but you really got to unplug for a chunk of your day every day. Unplug from everything, okay? I'm talking turn yourself on airplane mode, okay? I'm talking about turn all the screens in your home off. Light a goddamn candle. Sit in front of it. And meditate. I use this app called 10% Happier. Highly recommend it. And I've been pretty consistently meditating at night. And it is, it is, wow. It's powerful. Can I tell you, I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm like, I, I, you know, I get older. Now I have a dog. And that, so all of these things, these other factors in my life are, are making it so that when a girl calls me a dumb fucking cunt on the streets in Brooklyn, when I understand that she's mad, I don't actually get mad. That's huge. That's huge. That is not how I would have normally behaved. I would have been like, oh, you're going to call me a dumb cunt? Get over here. Like, just so not helpful. It's just so not helpful. And women are very, uh, women, I feel like women have, I, I know, I almost, I want to say I know this. Women have more anger in them than men. And one of the reasons why women have more anger in them than men is that women societally were never encouraged to express anger in a healthy way. When little boys grow up, they get sock and boppers. More from then, a pillow fight. Sock and boppers. What a good jingle. Very simple. Uh, and and, and their little boys are almost encouraged to play rougher with each other. So that's a healthy outlet for rage. Little girls, when we cry, it's like, well, of course she's crying. She's a little girl. But when we're mad, people are like, don't do that. That's not what you're supposed to do because you have a vagina. So I feel like anger was not uh, an emotion that young girls are ever, or women are encouraged to release. And women are more like conniving than men. So because it's like, well, if I can't get my anger out by yelling cuz someone's going to give me shit for that and I, you know, that's going to make me even angrier, so I know myself, so I'm not going to go there. We'll fucking show up at your home or we'll do some conniving shit like mail you poop or something. You know, we'll, 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 we'll annihilate you verbally and emotionally, just not physically. But equality means that women can annihilate people physically too, you know. But men are always, men are capable of getting into a fight. I've seen it happen on the streets so many times where a guy will like punch a guy or something and it doesn't, like they kind of just let it out and then the guy will like help him up. I've also seen it not go that way, but I've seen it go that way a lot of times. And I'm like, man, a woman would never do that. If you fucking punch me on the street, do you understand that I'm not leaving that location until your eyeballs are in the trash can? I mean, not really, but like that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm not going to help you up, bitch. And that's not women helping women. You know what I mean? <laughs> not that you got to help all women, but... uh. It just, it just, anger is just not as encouraged and it's not celebrated. When a woman is angry, she's crazy. Oh, I will show you crazy, bitch. I'll show you crazy. Don't fuck with me. What are you doing, you spreadsheets? But yeah, make sure you unplug. Make sure you unplug for a chunk of your day because boy, if you don't, I, you're gonna explode. You're gonna explode. We're living in weird times. Did you know that? I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. 
but unplugging is just do it for an hour or play with your dog or fucking read a book or 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 light a candle or look at a tree you know what else can you do you can go across the street to the deli get some flowers put them in a vase or vase which one is it is it vase or vase don't tell me how to pronounce shit. Is anybody having a good time? I am actually. I'm having a good time because I'm meditating and I unplug. Um, I realized through reading your letters on my P.O. box, I, I've, I've, okay, now Kevin's bringing over his food bowl. Kevin, you act like you haven't eaten a goddamn day in your life and I feed you and I overfeed you because I know you love food and I love you and I'm going to have to stop doing that. I totally get having a fat dog because you just want to give him everything it's so fun to give him things but then it's not healthy for him and stuff what was i saying <laughs> uh oh the p.o box I, I haven't been replying to letters lately because i've been working a lot well on things that i love man corinne and i we got some projects going and i got a bunch of projects been doing a lot of writing and and the writing letters writing replies to your letters is so fucking helpful it's helpful for my spelling because again can't spell for shit might as well learn at 32 can't spell for shit but the other thing about writing a letter is you really have to think about what you're going to write before you write it down and it just use it, you know i said this last time but it uses your brain in a way that's just it's better it exercises your brain you're just okay audience sorry you're just gonna have to hear that squeaking because if i take it away he's gonna bark and I don't want that, y'all. Kevin, just... All right, whatever. Um, yeah, the letters... Oh, and but this is what I wanted to say about these letters. Because I said this to my therapist last... I have, I have therapy every Thursday. And I, I said this... A, a lot of times I'll say something in therapy that I've not really articulated yet in my... Even in, like, my private thoughts. <laughs> and I'll say something and I'll, like, cry. And I'll be like, oh, it's so sad. Um... But I said the other day, uh, I was like, man, I, the people, like writing, reading these letters, it just means so fucking much to me that a human being who knows me from podcasting, so that you really do know me very well, but that I don't know, one takes the time and spends the time and the money to, to put something in the mail, but like writes it down. Like I know, I know what it's like to write a letter, y'all. Now I do. And it takes a lot of effort and it just means so fucking much to me. And it's such a, a you, it's such an intimate form of communication. And, and the people who write me letters are just really just sweet, good, kind-hearted people. And it's men and it's women. And it's just really, it's just nice. It's really nice. And you get me, like you really get me because I'm very, I'm very open and honest on Guys Who Fucked and on, and on this podcast. And you, you, you really get me. And I said in therapy the other day, I'm like, I just wish my mom could see me the way that the people who write me letters see me and hear me. And then I was like, oh, that's sad. It's my mom. <laughs> but heal, doing healing work that, that, that involves, you know, grieving, you know, the parent, what your parent couldn't give you even though they did the best they could and it's very likely that they had parents that didn't give them what they needed, which is why you pass it on. It's really important. And it, and it does, the more I get into it, the more I process my feelings and my grief and allow myself to be really angry 
at a, at a parent for, for XYZ for not giving me what I need. And then I could actually begin to forgive myself for the behaviors that I don't like in my life instead of being so goddamn hard on myself. It's, it's freeing. It's very freeing. Um, but yeah, when I said that, I was like, I just wish my mom would see me and hear me the way these strangers that I don't even know see me and hear me. And I was like, oh man, that's a truth bomb. <laughs> and I, 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 the other thing I've been thinking about, Kevin, I just really don't want you to do that. Um, I want to keep diving into these books, like Nathaniel Brandon, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. That book is a fundamental book to me. That is, that is a, that is a, Oof, that this book means a lot to me. And I'm glad that you guys are really liking it. Um, and the four, uh, four agreements. Oh my God. I think about that book all the time. I think about that book when I uh, witness people in public that I know or that I don't know how everybody behaves. When I see, when I watch the news and I see what the people are saying, even the one that's most in charge in the country. And I'm like, I, boy, talk about no self-esteem. Talk about no self-esteem, man. And I and I and I chimed in on um, Alana Glazer, who I fucking love her. She's she's great. I want to hang out with her so bad. Every I mean everybody does. That's not an original thought, but uh, she's just so fucking cool. I feel like we have a lot in common. We'd be like really good friends. But uh, she was doing um, a live Instagram with other comics or celebrities, and she did one with, with Eric Andre. And she was said this thing that I was like, that's really interesting. Because she's like, when, when Trump is up there and he's talking, he's not enjoying this. So it's not like how many, what can he do to actually finally, uh, you know, get enough? Like, what is he striving for? Is there any contentment on his side whatsoever? And the answer to that is no. He looks miserable. He does not look like he's having a good time. And when he flings these insults at people, when he calls the coronavirus the China virus, it's so obvious what, when you call something the China virus, I know what you're fucking doing. And if you don't, if that doesn't, if it's not obvious to you, that's okay. But like what it is, is he wants everybody to get pissed off at China. And what that's going to do is that's going to make people in America, mostly whiteies, be racist towards Chinese people or Asian people. Because those whiteies probably can't tell the difference. Uh, very narrow mind, but it's like, yeah, I, I, it was. I was like, man, that's a really good, interesting point. Is like he is just, he's not getting anything out of this. Usually, when people are bullies, at least they're just satiating something. I'm getting you back for what my dad did to me. And if you read any excerpts about his niece's book on him. You know, his dad did some fucked up shit. So as the more I learn about childhood trauma and the more I learn about the effects it can take in your adult life, especially if it goes unnoticed and unchecked, especially you got millions of dollars and then you lose it and then you say you have it again and everyone's like, can I see your tax return? And you're like, no, fuck you. But I want Barack Obama's birth certificate. Usually, yeah, he's not. He's just so sad and miserable. And, and I think that people that love him I, I you know what i am very curious if anybody listening to this podcast is a is a big donald trump fan i'm talking like you're one of those fucks behind him in the rallies like you're one of those people that go to the rallies i, I am really curious because my theory is that that's how you were treated as a kid by your parent or so, the way that he treats the country with no kindness no and and just there's nothing genuine and vulnerable about him at all. 
And and it's almost it, it's an interesting case study. I mean, the, the, the effects of his presidency truly caused death um, and spread hatred. And it's so unfortunate. But the, but I wonder if you're if you're an, if you're an avid Donald Trump supporter and you're listening to this email me the voices in our heads podcast at gmail.com. I'm curious, like my theory is if you're a woman who voted for him or a woman who's really uh, behind him still, were you treated like that by men your whole life and that's what you're comfortable with? Did your parents not acknowledge your feelings ever and so you're comfortable with the way he speaks and interacts? Because I understand that childhood trauma is something that 90% of us are affected by uh, in varying levels of severity. And I'm curious if I'm right. I have no idea. I am very open to being wrong but i do think i do think that uh you you were treated that way by a loved one at some point in your life probably when you were a kid so let's see if i'm right the voices in our heads podcast at gmail.com i'm very curious because i do assume uh i need to remind myself that just because i live in new york city doesn't mean everybody who listens to me is on my same wavelength and honestly i don't want you to be because you know you can be and you cannot but i like i like different people who think differently than me. I'm very curious about why it is you think the way you think. I really am. I genuinely am. I'm not not being an asshole about this. The old me would, but not the new me. So um, I'm going to go into this book. So I did Feel Your Feelings January last year, and I'm going to go, I have a book for January that I'm going to do a deep dive into, but I actually have to ask my therapist if it's a responsible thing to dive into this book that I've, I've finished the book finally and it, it, it really facilitates you feeling feelings that were buried, that you buried as a kid. Cause it's done that for me and I thought I got it all out, but nope. And it, you know, I, I, because I've been in therapy and I, uh, my therapist is a trauma specialist. I've been in her care for a year and I've been, you know, before that I had a therapist for a year that was amazing and she retired. Um, but I want to make sure that's a that's a responsible thing for me to go over this book that potentially might make you really upset for a little bit, which is good. It's good to be upset. It's good to grieve. It's good to grieve for the, your loss. And your loss could be, uh, you know, your parent was absent. Your parent was neglectful. Your parent was abusive. You have to get angry at that parent, not to their face. Y- you could, but that's not, I'm, I'm talking about you need to feel your feelings, baby. And this book has made me feel my feelings in a way that I did not expect. And I am a feeler. Kevin. Kevin. He's eating my shoe. He's eating my shoe, y'all. One of the things that, this is why I'm concerned. This is why I need to make sure I need to run this by my therapist too. It goes over behaviors of parents that are not okay, but that most people even still today think are completely acceptable and he goes into why they're not okay and i mean every person listening to this will very likely have had their parent do at least one of these behaviors that are kind of considered minor i know it's not i i'm 32 years old and my parents spanked me and a lot of people my age their parents spanked them and then but then like our parents fucking got the shit beat out of them with wooden spoons i don't even want to fucking know what happened to their parents before them but one of the things this book talks about is how the terror of a child 
not grasping what they did wrong or why it was wrong. And then when you're when you're a four year old, you're fucking two feet tall or whatever the fuck tall you are. And an adult, my therapist says this to me all the time, when you're a child and, you, and you're standing on the floor and your parent is there, you think that parent is 10 feet tall. That person is responsible for your shelter, for your food, for your clothing, for every part of your life. You are so fucking dependent on your parents for everything. And, and if you behave a certain way, a lot of times a parent is, is just going to be frustrated with you instead of actually listening to you, hearing you, asking you the appropriate questions for a, 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 you know, a kid and diving into it. And a lot of parents strike their kids. That is so fucked up and damaging that I really want to just start spreading the good word. So don't hit, don't, ugh. I, and I don't have children. So, but let me tell you, the way that this book that I'm going to go into in January, I'm going to prep this like a fucking college course, y'all. I'm very excited. And I think I'm going to interview my therapist uh, in during one of the episodes in January. Um, Feel Your Feelings January. I have a Spotify playlist called Feel Your Feelings January because I ask people to send me songs that made them cry. And every time I put on that playlist... I just cry. <laughs> I do. I cry. And this book will make you cry. So. But it's good. You got to get it out. I love crying. Some I was playing piano earlier. I was playing this song. Um, there's a piano version of the song Crawling by Linkin Park. I fucking love Linkin Park. There's a live version I found on Spotify where it was just... Um, he was singing to uh, over a piano, and uh, Lincoln Park's just a great fucking. They're just such a good band. They're such a good band, and it, but that song "Crawling," I remember in college, my friends and I would smoke weed when we lived at the V, which was this basically a, a hostel. Um, we would go upstairs to the shower area because all the bathrooms were um, they were fucking uh, fucking uh, shared. But it's not because it was a dorm. It's because it was a hostel. But we'd go up there and smoke weed. And my one friend and I would just sing crawling. We'd be like, crawling in my skin. <laughs> These wounds, they will not heal. But if you actually listen to the the words of that song, it's about, de- I mean, it's about depression and it's about terror. That one lyric, um, confusing what is real. I mean, that summarizes trauma of any kind, especially as a kid where you're like, why am I behaving this way? And it's just such a beautiful song. Anyway, I was playing it on the piano and I just started crying. <laughs> and it it was great. Because whenever I feel tears come up, I'm like, oh, here we go, baby. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. And I let myself cry. I let myself cry. And Chester Bennington, who 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 committed suicide, who's the lead singer of of Lincoln Park, um, the sweetest, kindest, like just gentle. Oh my God, what a beautiful man! What a beautiful man! What a beautiful man! Uh, and I think of he he killed himself. He committed suicide. And um, when I when I was singing that song on the piano, I was just I think a lot of my mom when I when I hear that song and how you know 
It's terrible. It's terrifying. It's tr- truly terror in every sense of the word. Um, and then I just, yeah, I started crying and I was like, ooh, here we go. Let's cry for a little. And I did. I cried. It was great. It was great. You got to feel your feelings, baby. You got to feel them. So yeah, I hopefully uh, my therapist gives me the okay to go into this book because I am going to fucking get into this book. Remember when we were in high school or 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 middle school, grade school, and we had to do a research paper? And this is before everyone had a laptop and a smartphone. But remember when you had to get information from reading books and not on the internet? Man, that's why I'm mad into books lately. I am going backwards in time as we actually go forwards in time because I I know like technology is really great and it's really innovative and you know and it it helps it saves lives it also doesn't save lives but you know causes you a lot of emotional turmoil but I was thinking the other day that man if you do a research paper now you just get whatever the fuck you want on the internet and you got to cite your sources. Hopefully your professor or teacher is making you cite your sources. But I thought, I was like, damn, it is so much easier to get research on anything. But then what if your source isn't reliable? So that's why I rely on books. I rely on good old fashioned books. Not to say that everything in a book is, is 100% accurate. But if someone went through the trouble to write it in a book and then publish it, it... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that information more seriously. So that's why when I preach on podcasts and shit, I'm getting all these information from motherfucking books, okay? Motherfucking books. Fucking books. Oh, David Blaine definitely sucks. Okay, guys, let's get into the next chapter on the six pillars of self-esteem. Because we went over the six pillars. And now I want to go over this chapter. It's chapter 12. And you don't have to, like, fucking read along with me this is I want to cover these books so that if you have the book great you can read along it's cool but if you don't have the book you're still going to get the information that you need I'm not reading all of all of the words because then I'm just like well get the book but chapter 12 of the six pillars of self-esteem is called the philosophy of self-esteem and let's read a little bit of this kids shall we convictions are important because they give rise to emotions and actions, in parentheses, practices. Now, the definition of, I know what conviction means, but if you ask me, what's the dictionary definition? Because I asked myself that as I was reading, I was like, I don't know. And I looked it up, just so we can all be on the same page. Because look, if you don't know what some words mean, I ain't gonna judge you, because I also don't really know what some of the words mean. So the dictionary definition of conviction is, uh, in, in the sense that we're talking about it here, is a firmly held belief or opinion. Now, I would also like to state that sometimes we have these convictions and the root of them is our shit parents. You know, not shit parents, but, our, you know, a parent not being so nice. So if you grew up and your, and your dad bullied you and called you a fat fuck, you're probably going to grow up believing you were a fat fuck. It's pretty likely. So, yeah, I, I would, you could call that a conviction, but I would also stress that, well, no, I wouldn't call that a conviction because... That's just bullying yourself. So you might be under the impression that that's your conviction, but it's not. Okay. They should put also with convictions. Well, I guess they don't have to be positive or negative. But just interrogate the root of your convictions. I think it's very healthy. Anyway, back to Nathaniel. They are crucial. They are a crucial factor in development of an individual's self-esteem. Talking about convictions. 
what people think, what they believe, what they tell themselves influences what they feel and what they do. In turn, they experience what they feel and do as having meaning for who they are. Well, that's just, I can't even, I'm not even going to add anything to that. That's perfectly written. Part two began with a chapter entitled The Focus on Action. Action has the last word in that no living value can be achieved or sustained without it. Without it. Beliefs in a vacuum, beliefs divorced from action, mean nothing. You hear that, kids? If you believe something, but your actions do not back up your belief, then you're full of shit. A lot of us are full of shit. That's okay. I'm full of shit with some things. Absolutely. So don't feel bad about that. Again, shame, shaming yourself for anything you think or say or do is not helpful. Okay? Shaming others for wearing Crocs and sandals. Well, that's on you. But since beliefs do, have, do affect actions, since beliefs have action implications, we need to examine them in our own right. There are beliefs that lead toward the practice, practices I have been describing, and there are beliefs that lead away from them. When I speak of beliefs in this context, I mean convictions deeply grounded in our being. I do not mean notions to which we pay lip service or ideas we tell ourselves in hopes that they will spark desired motivation. <laughs> Yo, you, you know, I, there's so many times where I'm like, where I'll say I'm going to do something like quit quitting smoking. Perfect example. I've said I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit smoking. And then I fucking say it to all my friends and then I don't quit smoking and that fucks up my self-esteem. So what I did was go, why am I saying that I'm going to quit smoking? Well, because I should stop. But do I want to at this moment? No, I really don't. Why don't I? Um, I've never really asked myself that before, y'all. Why don't I? Because I like it. I like it. And I know that it's not good for you. I do. I know. And I'm not, I don't ever want to encourage anyone to smoke a cigarette. But I wish I could be one of those people. There's some people in life that are like, you smoke, you fucking monster. Well, I don't want to be that person. But they might be saying that because their mother died of lung cancer or someone died because they were smoking. You know, so it's coming from a good place. However, don't tell me what to do. Thank you. A lot of times in my smoking years, uh, every so often there will be a stranger on the street being like, that's not good for you. And the old me would respond to that. Oh, it's not? Thanks. I didn't know that. <laughs> that's not nice. But the new me, the new me understands that that is coming from a place of love. And you're saying that you don't know me, so you're not saying that because you genuinely want me to be a better person. You're saying that so you feel better because you spread a message of a healthier lifestyle to somebody, and maybe it's based off of your dad, you know, getting his jaw cut off at the doctor's because he has tongue cancer or whatever. So that's okay. Yeah, I, I used to get so pissed. Man, I was a little twat. <laughs> Anytime anyone would be like, smoke, please don't do that. Like, oh, please don't do that. I'm going to do it more now. <laughs> it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Anyway, anyway, we are not always fully conscious of our beliefs. They may not exist in our minds as explicit propositions. They may be so implicit in our thinking that we can hardly, we are hardly aware of them 
or not aware of them at all. Yet they clearly lie behind our actions. We can think of these ideas as the philosophy of self-esteem, a set of interrelated premises that inspire behaviors leading to a strong sense of efficacy and worth. God, self-esteem is the shit, y'all. I place beliefs that have a bearing on self-esteem into two categories, beliefs about self and beliefs about reality. In each case, the relevance of the idea to self-esteem is obvious. Okay, so let's look into beliefs about the self that support self-esteem. I'm just going re- to read ones that speak to me. I have a right to exist. <gasps> Ooh, I like that one. Guys, say it with me. Say it out loud. What are you doing? Your spreadsheets? Who gives a shit? What are you in your car? Who cares? Say it. I have a right to exist. I have a right to exist. I have a right to exist. Feels good to say. I am of high value to myself. (laughs) I'm just thinking of like a narcissist (laughs) thinking that this thing is like good. Uh, I I am of high value to myself. Well, that's nice and good. I have a right to honor my needs and wants and treat them as important. Unless your needs and wants are to drop your jeans on the subway and jerk off in front of family members or members of in front of a family. I would say that that's not a very good fucking belief, okay? I am not here on earth to live up to someone else's expectations. My life belongs to me. I do not regard myself as anyone else's property and I do not regard anyone else as my property. That's some healthy fucking self-esteem. And I and when I read all, when I was reading all these examples, I thought about, you know, a person could truly think these about himself about him or herself, which is great. But man, I think about racism a lot and you should too. Just ponder it, think about it. I think it should be in the in in all of our minds. We should be very consciously aware of racism because one of the things that racism does, one of the many terrible things that it does, is it devalues human beings. And it's like even if you have a healthy sense of self-esteem, if you are subjected to consistent racism, oh my God, that's got a fucking wear on you, man. So I think about that a lot and I, I encourage you to too. I am lovable. I am admirable. Aw, that's nice. I should feel, I should deal with others fairly and justly, and others should deal with me fairly and justly. I deserve to be treated courteously and with respect by everyone. Now, say that one out loud, y'all. I deserve to be treated courteously and with respect by everyone. You do deserve that. You deserve it. And here's, the, here's some other follow-ups to this that are very important. If people treat me discourteously or disrespectfully, it is a reflection on them, not me. It is only a reflection on me if I accept their treatment of me as right. And again, I think about racism a lot with that one in particular. Because do you understand how deadly it is? When a police officer with a gun is racist? Because, yeah, you could think about yourself in, in high regard and, and have very healthy self-esteem. But if you're up against a person with a gun who doesn't like you because of your skin color, 
these inner beliefs ain't gonna help when there's a gun involved. Just think about that. Just think about that. Okay. Just keep that in mind. But but in situations that are not that, it is helpful to understand. It's, and it's really imperative to understand that somebody treating you disrespectfully is is a reflection on them, and you getting upset about it is. You should stand up for yourself. Absolutely. But you gotta figure out the line between it being worth it and not. You know what I mean? Like that chick who had an unfortunate meeting with the door of my Uber. When she was calling me the names, I, 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 I understood exactly why. And I wanted just, I, I was really happy that I was in a place mentally where that did not set me off. That my, my thoughts weren't like, it was a fucking accident, you bit Like, just, oh. I, I handled that situation. Well, ideally, I don't want to ever open a door and have a biker run into it. That's terrible. But the old me that's dead now uh, really wouldn't have done well in that situation at all. So... So, like, you know, that, that when that woman was yelling at me that I'm a dumb fucking cunt in Williamsburg... Um, I, th- now I'm not saying that that's a reflection of her and who she is at all. I'm saying that we can be carrying around anger with us from things from the news, from 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 Black Lives Matter and all the even racial injustice, and then we kind of funnel it out of us through an encounter like that. She didn't hit me, so I'm like, yeah, get it out, girl. I'm really sorry. Again, very sorry. And her name was Corinne. Are you fucking like, are you fucking kidding me? What are you doing, Jesus? You took the wheel with that one. If someone I like does not return my feeling, oh, this is basically, dear Christina, if someone I like does not return my feeling, it may be disappointing or even painful. Yep. But it is not a reflection on my personal worth. I'm going to read that one again, if anything, for me. If someone I like does not return my feeling, it may be disappointing or even painful, but it is not a reflection on my personal worth. No other individual or group has the power to determine how I will think and feel about myself. Oh, that's a good one, too. Oh, this is another good one. I trust my mind. Now, that one is interesting because what are the actual medical, physical, neurobiological effects of enduring um, an abusive parent, for example? A mentally abusive, physically abusive, emotionally abusive. I guess emotional and mental are the same. I don't know. But one of the things that, uh, this is why I say do not shame yourself if you don't think these things. Feelings are not facts. They're motherfucking clues, okay? Okay. Okay. But one of the effects of enduring an abusive parent is that you don't trust yourself. You're taught not to trust yourself. You're, not, you're taught not to even, you know, consider your own feelings with anything, truly. And this is medical. This is scientific shit. This is not like some woo-woo shit, which I love woo-woo shit too. But this is neurobiology. So it's like these pathways are being carved in your brain that you never have that uh, ability to take pause and ask yourself how you feel. So if you if you don't trust your mind, it's okay. But be aware that you don't trust it a lot of the time. And be curious about it. Okay? Curiosity. It killed the cat, but it'll save you. <laughs> I'm going to trademark that. 
Um, if I persevere and if my goals are realistic, keyword, I am competent to achieve them. And again, you got to have good self-esteem to even determine what's realistic and what's not. And sometimes if you sell, but see that like mine, I'm very childlike. So I'm like, I can do whatever I want. I really thought that. And I still do. If I have a goal, I'm like, I can, I'll do it. I will do it. And so, you know, I was accused often by my loved ones um, that my goals were not realistic. But I was so sure about them, even as, you know, even before I started on this whole emotional growth train that I was like, okay, that's cute. I'm going to go now. <laughs> like, I really wasn't even deterred. My ex-boyfriend of seven years, before we started Guys Who Fucked, he thought that was a terrible idea. He didn't think it was a good idea. I didn't ask him what he thought about it, but he didn't think it was a good idea. And I was I was very disappointed that that was his reaction. But but, And I normally, and I was a weak-ass bitch when I started dating him. But I normally would have gone like, wah. But I, I just, I was so solid in that. Like, thank God, my creativity, I've always been behind. Thank God. But I was like, oh, that's cute that you think that. You're wrong, but okay, it's cool. See you later. I am worthy of happiness. Because you are, bitch. You are. I do not sacrifice my judgment. Do not pretend my convictions are different than they are to win popularity or approval. <laughs> Again, dear Christina. Dear Christina. My happiness and self-realization are noble purposes. I like that one. And then, so here are some convictions or thoughts uh, in regards to living consciously. Uh, it is joyful to exercise my mind. I am better served by correcting my mistakes than by pretending they do not exist. And let me tell you, I am queen, or I was, the queen died, I was queen of pretending things do not exist. Oh my God, I have a very powerful imagination. When I graduated college, I was broke as shit. And during college, I was broke as shit. I was working at the Apple store, getting $12 an hour. Um, and, you know, but I can only work so much because I also had an internship and I was also doing plays and <laughs> all that stuff. So I was broke as shit. So when my college loans came in the mail, you know, a year after graduating, I was like, well, I can't pay these. I barely have enough money to make rent. And I knew that the absolute terror of the idea that I cannot, that these these people that gave me, that let me borrow money are wanting it and I don't have it. It was more than I could bear. So what did I do? Well, I took the college, the student loan bills out of the mailbox. And then I went into my room and I opened my clothes closet and I threw them on the bottom of the closet, never to be seen again. And I said to myself, truly, I said to myself, well, if I don't see them, that means they don't exist. Didn't want to throw them out because that would have been way too irresponsible. But I did throw them in a pile at the bottom of my closet and just really was good at convincing myself that they weren't there because I couldn't bear the terror. You know, that's what happens when you deal with feelings that you can't handle from a young age. Then you become an adult and do that same thing with feelings that you, you probably handle because you're an adult. But my imagination was so vivid that I was able to convince myself that the bills didn't exist. <laughs> I was living on another planet, y'all. Here, let's keep going. I need to be on the lookout for temptations to evade uh, to evade unpleasant facts. 
I need to manage my avoidance impulses and not be ruled by them. I'll tell you another little tale about the old me that died. Well, she's still living, but a little bit. Uh, I got really into scratch off lotto tickets like the last two years. I'm obsessed with the crossword lotto tickets. And sometimes I'll like bring them on a vacation to just do. I like them for many reasons. One, you really think you're going to win. Two, it's not a screen that I'm looking at. Three, I could win some money. Four, it's just something stupid I could do with my hands that doesn't require any brain power. But then when I would bring them on, like I brought some to the Hamptons with my girlfriends and they're like, oh, cool. How does that, how do those work? And I'm like, well, these are the letters that you get. And when you get a letter, you scratch it off in the crossword puzzle. And then if you get an entire letter, um, then that counts towards you possibly winning money. And then when I heard myself explain it out loud, I'm like, this is sad. Okay. But I noticed after about a year of getting these scratch off tickets, I would win some fucking money too. P.S. One like I was just losing all the time. I had a couple that were $100. I had a bunch of fives and tens and twenties. So your girl cleaned up a little bit. But what I noticed is that I use these scratch off crossword lottery tickets as um, a tool to my procrastination, to fuel my procrastination. So when I started doing work on myself, I was like, well, that's a habit that I should probably stop because that automatically means that I'm avoiding something. So then what I would do is every time I had the urge to buy these scratch off crossword lottery tickets, I would go, Christina, what are you avoiding? And then I would say, well, I'm avoiding X, Y, Z. And then that would make me even scarier to like be conscious of it. So I would definitely get the cross crossword tickets so I and then eventually I didn't want to get them anymore that's my point you know I had the desire to get them and I was like you're distracted this is you distracting yourself and I'm like yep you're right Christina and I was like yeah I know I'm right Christina but then eventually I talk I had that conversation every time I bought them and I was just hearing sick of hearing myself bitch so I stopped so sometimes you just got to annoy the shit out of yourself to get a bad habit off your back Here's some phrases about self-acceptance. At the most fundamental level, I am for myself. That's nice. At the most fundamental level, I accept myself. Here's some about self-responsibility. I am responsible for my existence. I'm responsible for the achievement of my desires. I'm responsible for my choices and actions. I'm responsible for the level of consciousness I bring to my work and my other activities. It is. It's just you. You're responsible, okay? Self-assertiveness. Ooh, even the word gives me the willies. <laughs> and again, the old me. You could have been like, Christina, you're so selfish. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I am? Okay, I'm a selfish piece of shit. Okay. All right. I'm just going to go home and think about how I'm a selfish piece of shit because you told me that and I don't even really know you well, but I believe you. Not anymore. New me, self-assertive. So here's some convictions about being self-assertive. In general, it is appropriate for me to express my thoughts, convictions, and feelings unless I am in a context where I judge it objectively desirable not to. That takes some time to figure out and get right, y'all. I have the right to treat my values and feelings as important. It serves my interest for others to see and know who I am. Well, that I can definitely back up. Here's some about living purposefully. Only I properly can choose the goals and purposes for which I live. I repeat, only I can properly choose the goals and purposes for which I live. No one else can appropriately design my existence. 
calling all people with stage moms. <laughs> Make sure you want to do that too. Over. <laughs> Don't live for your parents. Okay. Common mistake. <laughs> I sure as hell didn't. I did at first. Before I got to college, I was like, I want to be a heart surgeon slash scientist. I said that when I was like in first grade. Why did I say that? Because I knew it would make my parents elated. I only said that so it would make them happy. I would draw and then we would do like fucking first grade. Draw what you want to be. I would draw a heart surgeon. Then I would draw a fucking slash and then I would draw a scientist. I only fucking said that because I knew it would make my parents happy. And then came the day where I was like, just kidding. I want to be an actress and comedian. And they're like, oh, that's a lot different than what you said. And I was like, very true. But you can't hold me to what I say. I'm a kid. And they were like, yes, I can. And I'm like, no, you can't. So if I am to succeed, I need to pay attention to the outcome of my actions. Doy. Personal integrity. Here's some things that you should say to yourself about personal integrity until it sticks. Until it sticks. I should practice what I preach. I should keep my promises. I should honor my commitments. I should deal with other human beings fairly, justly, benevolently, and compassionately. I should strive for moral consistency. Boy, if more people thought that, that'd be sick. Uh, Beliefs about reality that support self-esteem. That which is, is. A fact is a fact. This is the stupidest Dr. Seuss book I ever read. Just kidding. Self-chosen blindness does not make the unreal real or the real unreal. Again, dear Christina, respect for the facts of reality as best I under as best I understand them yields more satisfying results than defiance of the facts of reality. Uh, all, all adult human associations should be chosen and voluntary. Well, that is, yes, I believe that. I do. Okay, so I'm going to read the last two sections of this chapter. And then we're going to wrap it up. And then you're going to go home and then you're going to vote. And then you're going to meditate. And then you're looking at a tree. Okay. Um, to say of any of these ideas, I agree with that, does not yet indicate that it is integral to the speaker's belief system. As I stated above, the ideas qualify as beliefs in the sense meant here only if they are experienced as true at a fairly deep level and are manifested in behavior. This list of beliefs is not offered as exhaustive. Probably there are others that bear equally on the health of self-esteem. But I, uh, but what I have, there's no but. I don't know why I said but. What I have named are those I am aware of that mostly clearly support the six practices. To the extent that they are genuinely experienced, they tend to inspire consciousness, <laughs> self-acceptance, self-responsibility, self-assertiveness, purposefulness, and integrity. I, I trust it is obvious that I regard these beliefs as rationally warranted. They are not mere arbitrary postulates. But since I am not, prepare, uh, since I am not prepared in this context to offer a rigorous defense of each of them, I will simply observe that they are powerful motivators for the kinds of actions that support psychological well-being. Looked at from the perspective of the six pillars, they clearly have functional utility. They are adaptive. They are the fuel of self-esteem. Just as the six pillars provides a frame of reference from which to consider beliefs, so they provide a standard by which to consider child-rearing practices, educational practices, uh, the policies of organizations, the value systems of different cultures, and the activities of psychotherapists. 
In each context, we can ask, is this practice, policy, value, or teaching one that supports and encourages the six pillars, or does it discourage and undermine them? It is more likely to lead towards increased self-esteem. Is it more likely to lead, to lead towards increased self-esteem or away from it? I do not wish to imply that self-esteem is the only criterion by which issues should be judged. Well, that's true, but also that's what this book's about, so that's cool. We forgive you. But if the nurturing of self-esteem is our purpose, then it is appropriate to know how self-esteem is likely to be affected by different policies and teachings. I'm talking about school, y'all. I'm talking about church, y'all. I'm talking about your mommy and your daddy. And I'm talking about your fucking teachers. That also is implied under school. And your culture. What is your culture? Where, what country do you live in? What do, what do people, what, what are people in your neighborhood like? The practices and beliefs we have discussed pertain to internal factors that bear on self-esteem. That is, they exist or are generated from within the individual. So you can help all this shit, y'all, about everything we've talked about so far. We will now turn, oh, I'm quivering in my boots. We will now turn to an examination of external factors. That is, factors originating in the environment. So I'm talking about school, y'all, and church, and your mom. What is the role and contribution of other people? What is the potential impact of parents, teachers, managers, psychotherapists, and the culture in which one lives? These are the questions I will address in part motherfucking three. So we're going to get to that next week. Buckle up, bitch. Guys, I love you. Pat yourself on the back. I'm so glad you're here. Keep being here, okay? Seriously, keep being here. Have a good week fucking vote eat eat your fiber and and wear a condom or not you know that's on you that's it's that's up to you to decide wow i forget what sex is but i feel like i remember it being fun all right guys i love you so much and i'll talk to you next wednesday
These words.